Hi, Andrew Trekkies. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Becca. How's it going? Great. Um, I'm excited for this upcoming episode, and uh, I'm excited for our secret special bonus episode for fans who love us more. Yeah. So we have an announcement. We're coming to you before our like lead-in music because we are launching a pod fan page. Woo! It's like Patreon, but we like it more because they give us more of your dollars. Yes. Yes, and has the the bonus of letting us feel like independent hipsters. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that we're that we're asking you for money, and we think that it is of value for you to uh, help support this podcast, uh-huh. is that we are entirely independent. Yeah, I'm not sure if you guys realize this, but even the advertisements that we had during season one weren't real. I mean, they were real in that they were there, and you had to listen to them. But uh, I was advertising the soccer club that my husband is on the board of. And I was advertising the Sex Positive Democrats, which I am all on the board of. Yeah. So um, no one's really given us money other than those of you who have. And thank you. Thank you to our three so far sponsors. <laughs> yes. We would love to increase that number and have the ability to offer bonus content. So that is what we will be doing on our pod fan. Uh, and we have one episode already in the in the works that will Ooh. be released very soon. Oh, we know we have two in the works. Oh, true. Yeah, uh, one is about Star Wars, and one is about The Witcher. And did we want to talk about like all of the things that we're doing for free? Uh, so each hour of content that we produce takes about twenty four of our collective hours. Yes, which is like, what do we do with that time? We watch television or movies. We take notes, we do external research, we read essays, we check out the fandom, um, we record, and then we edit the recording, and then we talk to each other about the things that we edited, and then we edit again, we create a citations page, and then we talk about it on social media so all of you can find it, and then we call all of our friends and say, have you listened to this yet? Which I count. That's definitely part of the job. Um, So that is like all being done without income currently. And in order for us to continue being able to do that, uh, we need this to earn some income. So we're asking you to help us keep it going. Yeah. And not just like income, like you guys are like, oh, they should they should get better jobs. Like, but income that we can put back into the podcast. So next season, we will have a second microphone which will make things sound better for you. Um, and what was the other thing that we did? Oh, we got stickers. We got stickers. We got stickers. They're yeah. great. There are ways that you can get the stickers. I'm trying to get them out to the people who filled out the survey. And you can also get a sticker by donating to us. Once you become a member on pod.fan slash intertractional, mm-hmm. we will send you a sticker. Yes. And you will have access to all of the bonus content that we put out. And our, like, starting tier is $3 a month. It's not very much. Yes, it's less than a San Francisco coffee. Exactly. So, uh, once again, pod.fan slash intertractional. Pod.fan slash intertractional. And enjoy this episode. This is Intertractional an exploration of Star Trek through an intersectional feminist lens. Star Trek is both a reflection of our society and an aspiration for our future. The stories it tells shape our world. 
Intersectionality explores intersecting forms of oppression and how they affect individuals with compound identities. Star Trek is for feminists. Hi, Intertrekkies. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Becca. How's it going? Uh, It's okay. (laughs) So we're here today uh, and we're doing a recap of uh, one of the short treks, the one that's called Children of Mars. It just came out like a few days ago or last week or something. I know this because it's all over all of my news feeds. Mm -hmm. We are gearing up to do Picard. Yes. Yeah. um, Season three, which is starting next week, is going to be us transitioning into a recap show for one season of Star Trek Picard. Um, Becca's shaking her head because I think we disagree on what recap show means. Yeah. We're not going to be like just telling you what happens in the plot. No. We're going to be doing our regular analysis, but we're, we're going to be focusing on a single episode. Yes. The episode that has just aired, and I think that's what you mean by recap show. Don't worry. We're not changing what we're doing. Just while Star Trek Picard is on, we will be doing episodes covering what happened in Star Trek Picard that week. Correct. So all of you, make sure you have your CBS All Access subscriptions or steal a friend's password or you can uh hack the world the way people do so do that yeah i have never done that wink um (laughs) you should probably cut that out i'm not cutting that out because i don't think sarcasm can be used against you in a court of law okay (laughs) you are the one with a law degree i mean i just made this up just now i am not advising anyone legally (laughs) do what you have to do before we get into children of mars Mm -hmm. we have some shout outs yes yes we had another donor thank you to uh alex david arnold david (laughs) david alex arnold can we say his whole name what's i don't know let's ask him thank you to my friend alex who i have known since uh like the first week of college and is an avid listener of our podcast. Thank you for donating to us. If you are listening to this and you are not that person, you can also donate to us. I mean, like he could again, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's great. We're, we're closing we out it. season two. We have two seasons and I am so excited. I'm so excited for what's coming next. Um, so, uh, we decided to do this episode about Children of Mars because... Um, the internet spoiled for me that Picard is in it or related to it somehow. Wait, what were you asking me? I wanted to know what happens in Children of Mars. Oh, yeah. Do you? I don't. I, there were some children and they're like at a prep school and uh, they're not on Mars. Yeah. So they are not on Mars, but their parents are. Um, there's Okay. So the action centers around two school aged girls, probably 12 uh-huh. Um, who are maybe 11, maybe 13. Sure. Uh, and they're wearing red jackets like everybody else in their school. So it seems like a boarding school, kind of preppy. Uh, and, but when they get when, maybe, before... Oops, sorry. Maybe in the future, everyone wears school uniforms. Maybe the school uniform proponents won. I wore uniforms in middle school, and I think that it was a good thing to have done. Can there be private schools in a socialist non-money society? I don't know. Mine was a public school. It seems like a fancy school. 
whether or not fancy. they're paying to be there. Right. I mean, they were wearing sport coats. So yeah. that indicates a level of like fanciness. Yes. Nevertheless, when they are getting ready to go to school in the morning, they both received like transmissions from their respective parents who are working on Mars. Uh, one of the girls who is an alien, uh, her name is Kima, mm -hmm. and she receives a transmission from her mom, and they, like, play around with their tongues. It's very cute. It's like we're aliens, but also we love each other. Um, and uh, then the other girl, Lil, is... Um, her dad is being a douchebag. He's, like, being one of those like tv dad like divorced parents dads where he's like sorry honey or like overworked parents i don't know why i think that's a divorce thing tv is priming to think this um he's like sorry honey i can't make it tonight except i can't make it tonight is i can't make it this year and she doesn't even listen to the end of the transmission um this girl looks a lot like Michelle Trachtenberg. Mm. And I was thinking of her as baby Michelle Trachtenberg. That's funny. I looked up her IMDb page and she her name is Sadie Monroe. Mm. She was on Orphan Black, which oh. is a fucking fantastic show. Anyway, so she is, um, she's a human. And the other girl who is played by uh, Ilamaria Ibrahim, is an alien. Mm. And one of the things that I was like noticing is that there's this trend or maybe a trope of making the people of color aliens and oh, keeping yeah. the white people humans. She is an actress of color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's, so, she's adorable. She's got they're like both very cute. Weird, like little, her alienness is like she has weird little pimples on her face and like very blue eyes mm -hmm. and blue blood. And blue blood, yes. Yeah. Which we find out later when they come to fisticuffs. Exactly. So these two girls get to their, like, transport to get to school at the same time. And Lil knocks um, Kima's backpack onto the ground <laughs> yeah. and makes her, like, miss her shuttle. So she's late to school. She's like, fuck you, I hate everyone. My dad's a jerk. I'm going to bump into you. And then the other girl takes, like, a really long, like, I feel like she took a really long time picking up her books. Like, she, like, had to pout about it and, like, look at her books on the ground and then, like, look at the other kids running away. And then she, like, missed the school bus. Mm -hmm. It was so sad. And I think this is around the time that I realized that there was background music playing and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a cover of uh, We Can Be Heroes or maybe it's just called Heroes, that David Bowie song. Yeah. So I wrote down... I hate this song, and then, wait, it's David Bowie. I love this song. I hate this version of the song. It's, so, the, most of this short track feels like a, like a sad music video. Yeah, yeah. It's, so on the one hand, it could be a really cool kind of filmmaking, because no one's talking, and they manage to tell a story mm -hmm. without anyone having any dialogue other than, like, some words we kind of hear in the background sometimes, like um, the science students should go to the science place. And so I guess that was talking, but mostly, and then we hear the parents talk, but mm -hmm. like none of the characters who are doing things are talking to each other. It's all just like background noise. Right. All of the, all of the dialogue is like environmental, not really about the plot. And the, I think, like, the feeling it creates is one that's, like, very ominous because mm. the song is so slow and sad. And um, 
So you're kind of foreshadowed that something is going to go wrong. And one of the things that goes wrong is that it, while these two girls are in class together, uh, one of them like gets the other one in trouble with her teacher. And then later they at their they're at their lockers and they like come to blows. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're like looking at their space desks, which are like these like clear desks. And then she sends her like they're like passing notes in class, and the note is like a mean face. It's like a mean doodle of her. I think. I thought it was of the teacher. I thought it was of her because they were mad at each other. Because, like, the girl walks into the room, the girl, Kima, alien girl, walks into the room and is like, fuck you, Michelle Trachtenberg. I'm going to shove you back. And then Michelle Trachtenberg is like, fuck you, here's a drawing. And so I thought it was of her, but then it seems like maybe it's of the teacher. So it was it was not clear. Mm. Um, and then the teacher walks by and like sees it and is like assumes that she was the one not doing her work. Yes. The teacher, by the way, is a woman of color, uh, which is pretty great. And she has, I mean, just excellent hair. I'm always all about people's hair. I know um, you are. I, <laughs> I didn't even notice that the teacher had a face because I was busy trying to figure out who this drawing was of. Oh, see, because I looked at the teacher's face, <laughs> yeah. that's why I think the drawing is of the teacher. Oh, okay. Because it, like, the drawing looks like her face and her hair with, like, she's got a lot of hair and braids on one side and, like, a like an undercut on the other side. But then, like, why was the girl mad at her that she passed the note? Like, they were, like, glaring at each other. She was like, uh? And then I don't know. Like, uh. Maybe girls in the future are still getting in trouble for, like, doodling in class, which yeah. is a dumb thing to get in trouble for. People who doodle often doodle because it helps them concentrate. Yes, but you don't pass notes because it helps you concentrate. That's true. So is the one who received the note the getting one in re- trouble? The one who received the note got in trouble. Yeah, so you must get in trouble for doodling in class. Yeah. But I don't think that that's what girl one was doing. No. No, you're right. Your your point stands. I got caught up in the moment. <laughs> uh, but she gets <laughs> like... Recapping is confusing, She gets like mildly... <laughs> she gets mildly... She gets called out because this doodle gets, like, put up on the screen. Um, so she's, like, a little bit in trouble. And yeah. now now they have escalated their conflict. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think around this time I was getting more into the music video aspect of things because the song, which seems off topic from what's going on, is very broody. And, is all, and the t- two girls are very pissy and broody and they, like... I don't know. They like trip each other in the library. And then one of them slams the other's face into the her locker as she walks past her in the hallway. And at this point, I burst into laughter because um, I am not sensitive and slapstick is always funny. Uh, but then it got very violent. And then I was like, oh, no, this was not a joke. Yeah, it the. The episode feels like it could be a PSA about bullying. <laughs> but they're bull it's like mutual bullying though. Yeah. Like I had a moment of being like, oh, this episode's about bullying, and then I'm like, no, they just fucking hate each other because it's going back and forth. Yeah. And they, they both escalate. But I think that like it's also it's also that they are cranky because they don't have their parents around and yes. they're like, and I, I don't know if this is a, a also of- they're like 12 and they're like very hormonal and like 
you know, probably going to get their period soon. And they're, you know, it's, it's really, it's hard to be 12. Yeah. It's hard to be 12. I remember, um, hating and loving all of the other children in my school and being like, why don't you love me? I hate you. Mm. So, uh, this episode was like a, like if all the shitty things that happened to me, my sixth grade year happened in one morning. (laughs) Aw. Yeah. <laughs> Aw, rough. It was a bad year. I'll tell you about it later. Uh, yeah, sixth grade was rough for me for so many reasons, but nobody was, like, giving me a blue bloody nose. Yeah, no one No one actually hit me. I did get, like, a death threat, though. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Um. Okay, so they end up in the principal's office or something. They yeah. end up sitting on some benches. I was confused. I was like, are they waiting for the principal? Is it just a fancy atrium? Also, like, the architecture in this, like, fancy school is amazing. Yeah. It's all future. Like, everything has space and there's just curved random benches everywhere. And, like, screens floating in midair. Yes. It's very cool. Yeah. So they're, like, waiting for the principal. And I thought that he was about to talk to them because there was an authoritative-looking Vulcan man who seemed to be about to approach him. Mm-hmm. And then this random other woman at the school comes up to him and instead of telling him something, texts him while they're standing like two feet apart. Like they're both like holding these like like mini pads that are about the size of iPhones like in front of their faces. And then she like, uh, like airdrops him something and he's like, oh shit. And uh, you got that vibe, too, because you were like, something's wrong. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, it's obvious that it's something bad has happened because they're, like, passing this uh, footage together in a way that feels like their, like, body language is very urgent Mm -hmm. and confused. And then almost immediately after they pass this footage, then it's, like, up on all of the screens that are floating around for everybody to look at. Do you think that people at the school have taken, like, a vow of silence? Like, <laughs> like why is there no dialogue? Yes. I think, I mean, like, in the background they're talking, I think that the reason that there's no dialogue is to set the tone of, like, something bad is about to happen. Yes. And then something bad happens. Yes. But I, I just, I quibble, like, I don't approve of the artistic choice of having two characters text each other while they're standing face to face. Mm. She could have shown him her pad and like pointed at it. They could have said something to each other and it could have just been inaudible. (laughs) Either of these things would have made more sense than what happened. What's the footage? Uh, So the footage is of Mars being attacked. Mm. And so we infer that these two girls' parents are dead. Or have been killed. Mm. And that is a a microcosm of the macro problem, which is something, somebody's performed an act of war by destroying Utopia Planitia. And it's not just, wait, is that a real word? Like, is that a, is that what the Mars colony is called? That's what the, that's what the Mars colony, that's like what the location is called. And Utopia Planitia is referenced throughout Star Trek history Mm. um, as like one of the first, I think one of the first dry docks for manufacturing space, no, not spaceships, spaceships, starships. Oh, that reminds me. There was an establishing shot of a dry dock earlier for some reason, but it was unclear to me whether the girls were there or whether their parents were there or what was happening. But I'm guessing now that that was outside of Mars. I think it was outside of Mars. Okay. Yeah. That was my interpretation. So like... It was very, to me, 
this is the first point in the episode where I was like really, really drawn in. And I think it's like just because of 9-11. Because like that was my... um, So like 9-11 happened when I was a junior in high school and taking a history test. Mm. And there was an announcement that everyone should like stop what they're doing and watch TV. And my history teacher was like, I will turn on the TV when you're all done with your test. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And then another teacher came in and whispered something to him. And then he was like, if you're done with your test, you can go to someone else's classroom and watch TV. Wow. That's, yeah. that's kind of incredible. That's definitely like a time zone difference because I, being on the West Coast, the like t- the fall of the twin towers happened before my school day started oh yeah. and so then i did go to school but all day at school it was like basically a group morning session i mean that's pretty much what happened within an hour of this like this was happening before the twin towers fell mm. but we knew that the planes had fall- had crashed into them and then like basically everyone watched tv um, until the towers crashed. And then I think at some point we had to change bells. And depending on the teacher, you either had like a group discussion or you kept watching TV or they ignored it. Hmm. Um, one teacher made us write an essay about what we were feeling. Mm. Anyway, this was like really resonant for me for, yeah. for this reason. And I imagine like uh, a lot of other people, like I remember like, uh, even like baby boomers like might have been in school like when Kennedy was assassinated or people could have been in school with the thing with the Challenger happened like this is this is what happens during tragedies yeah like large-scale mass tragedies like kind of life stops and you do some reevaluation one of the yeah. things that I thought was interesting about this episode is that on all of the chirons before this happens, you see happy first contact day. Yeah. So it's already Ooh. a celebration day. So it's like an Earth holiday, maybe? It, I'm assuming it's Earth's It must be a Earth. human holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we don't know who the aliens are that destroyed Utopia Planitia. Yeah, I couldn't clock what kind of ships they are. If you know what kind of ships they are, tweet us or... Yeah. Um, Facebook group or whatever. Yeah, let it let us know. Uh, part of this is that we're just trying to uh, record this as fresh as possible, so we, we didn't look it up. So th- this might be a mystery or not, depending on how much you know about spaceships. Right, and they're very the spaceships are very like angular and kind of flat. They look a lot like B fifty two bombers, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, they were attacking yeah. the whole planet. It wasn't just like a city. It was like they zoomed, like they had really close, like war looking footage of the ground and like what was happening on Mars, and then they zoomed out and you could just see like explosions across like rippling across the planet mm-hmm. like and at this point i'm like okay i do like this music even though i don't like the vocalist i it found it effective and um yeah both of these girls their parents are there and they decide that they don't hate it, hate each other anymore and they hold hands yeah so there's a little bit of like bittersweet storytelling there where these girls come together and like are collectively mourning. I wonder if they even knew that they had parents mutually on Mars. I mean, it's not in dialogue, but yeah. maybe they discussed it. Yeah, they might know. Like, these could be kids who have been in school together forever and they know everything each other about each other, or they might not know. Yeah. We have no idea. Um, but either way, they look at each other and both recognize that they're, like, especially effective, affected, 
and like come together in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in like nearly the final scene mm-hmm. on one of these floating displays, we see Picard on the screen mm-hmm. with a Chiron underneath him that says, disaster. Admiral Picard responds to Mars attack. Yeah, so apparently what Picard's been doing in his semi-retirement is like, uh, or maybe he's not retired, maybe he's working. I'm not sure what year this is happening or like how close it is to. um, My interpretation, because he's called Admiral on that, is that he's still part of Starfleet. So this must happen before he finally leaves Starfleet. Yeah, so he's either talking in an official position or my, I like my first interpretation, even though talking to you now, I'm like, maybe it's wrong, but that he has become like a cable pundit and like weighs in on the news of the day. They're like, oh, someone's been attacked. We need a comment. We need someone to analyze this for us. Can you get Picard on subspace? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i feel like that that is a thing that picard as we know and love him would be called on to do very regularly and loathe yeah he would hate it but that he would also do it because like when he does the week he doesn't do it um like some other former admiral or captain is doing it and he's like they're all wrong what yeah. and so he thinks that people need to hear what he has to say and he's like why is this what i'm doing with my time yeah. So he gets bored. <laughs> he gets bored of that maybe and then that's why he goes and like lives on his vineyard. Mm-hmm. Uh we're trying to figure out how the um how this like then proceeds to the events of Star Trek Picard. That is an open question. Yeah, so I feel like a few things like we can tell that whatever is going on in Star Trek Picard is dramatic and scary mm-hmm. and big things are at stake. And, uh, you know, similar to Deep Space Nine, I think this short trek establishes that we are not in peacetime, that like the peacetime utopia, oh, utopia, Mm. (laughs) right? It's the utopia. Utopia Planitia is where they're. uh, Yeah. Yeah. The the utopia of the Federation has been pierced yet Mm. again. And like that's sort of setting the tone uh, for Star Trek Picard. Very, very symbolic. Which I'm sure um, many people uh, will hate if you, like us, have a hope for a better future and like that Star Trek does that. That's not what this is going to be about. Mm, Yeah, I think I've been I've been reading like I've been trying not to get spoiled about Picard, but I have been doing some reading uh, and I think Patrick Stewart has been going around talking about how the world of Picard is very different from the world of the next generation Mm -hmm. and that he's like back in the fight because things have gone to shit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like even in the world of the next generation, there are times where it seems like they're at war, but the tone of the show always confines it to an episode or two. Yeah. Like what happened with the Borg, for instance. Yeah. Or like a mini arc Mm -hmm. rather than what even what the like first season of discovery was about which was the klingon war mm-hmm. like i feel like this points to and other other things point to that star trek picard is like what's happening in the background is the overarching plot is some war yeah um so <sighs> things are bad things are bad Do you and think it's the romulans i 
I, I mean, it's not the Borg because we're right. not because those ships are totally not Borg. Maybe it is the Romulans if Romulans got a total redesign. But, you know, everybody's got to redesign these days. Uh, and all the ships look the same. So I'm guessing it's not terrorists. Yeah, it def- I think my like my money's on Romulans. That feels more like an army to me. Yeah. Um, I'm also like recalling back to 9-11 mm. um, that. The um, that basically since that time, the United States has been at war mm. with Afghanistan, Iraq, and probably soon to be Iran. Um, and that perhaps Picard is a response, Star Trek Picard mm-hmm. is a response to that, like TNG concluded before 2001. Right. And um, now we're in this, like, we have been at co- constantly at war. Yeah, and TNG was post-USSR. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was in this time, to- post-Cold War. So it was in this time of, like, newfound peace and hope. Right. Uh, this kind of, like, really, like, economically vibrant period of time for the United States where people were very hopeful. People kind of had this mindset of like infinite resources and that isn't the world that we live in today. So I, I do think that despite the fact that I want Star Trek always to be hopeful and like giving us a positive view of the future, um, I appreciate and respect that it's responding to the, how the world is today yeah, and how the world has been for longer than I personally would have liked. I mean, I don't yeah. want us to be constantly at war, but we fucking are. No. Um, yeah. Although I do think often about what would world peace look like and what would it cost us? Because sometimes, sorry, little mini tangent, but no, but sometimes peace is just, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Fascism? Yeah. Like, yeah. how would we all ever be collected under one government without a lot of people losing their say? I see. I mean, I guess I don't... I don't think that world peace is, like, predicated on a global governance, but perhaps it is. Like, I mean, that's essentially the thesis of Star Trek. It's the thesis of a lot of future shows. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I think I have time to say this. <laughs> it's recently come out that there's a Japanese millionaire who wants to travel on a commercial flight to the moon, and he's looking for a girlfriend to come with him, and the qualifications are you have to be into space travel. So, listeners, <laughs> <laughs> and you have to be interested in world peace. These are the qualifications. They're also making a documentary about his search for this woman. It doesn't say that you have to speak Japanese, so get on that. Wow. It feels really, it felt like as soon as I found this out, I was like, we have to talk about this with the intertrekkies. <laughs> oh my God, that is so funny. If you have thoughts on, on this, I don't know how to react. I'm like, do I hate this or love this? I don't know. Let us know what you think. Becca, you're single-ish. Uh, yeah, I'm probably the most single that I've been in a long time, and yet that is not all that appealing. I don't... well, first of all, you'd have to go to Japan. I mean, and compete with a bunch of other women. Uh, 
yeah. Competing with other women is a thing that I don't particularly like. And actually leads me back into something that I thought I like was thinking about this episode. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> good. Save me. Which is that, <laughs> which is that the, um, these two girls who are fighting yeah. could be, could be another expression of the trope that women are always in competition. I was thinking about that. I was like, are these girls being mean girls? Um, and it's like, yeah, this trope of like teenage girls kind of hating each other, which the trope is based in truth based on my life experience, but is not the whole of my experience as a teenage girl by any means. At the same time, because they never spoke to each other and the whole episode was so devoid of language, it almost felt like they were fighting the way boys fight, um, stereotypically, right? Like, yeah. it's very physical. Yeah. <laughs> that is the sense that I got. And so when I was thinking about this as being a potential expression of that trope, I was like, actually, I think it isn't. And what I, lo- what I like about what this episode is doing is that they are performing what would, what like, something that boys would usually be cast as doing yeah and they're both girls yeah so and i liked that the episode centered on women yeah even like little tiny women yeah exactly <laughs> i mean we we kind of shunt like teenage or preteen girls into some sort of invisible ether because they're complicated and weird and like you know thinking about sex in a way that we don't want to think about <laughs> adolescent people thinking about sex um, oh. and all, the, all these other kinds of things, uh, shout out to the show pen 15. Oh, yeah. It's very good. I've, uh, I've seen like one episode, but I'm interested in seeing more. It's so funny. Um, okay. So I, so I have one other thing that I want to say about this episode. Cool. Which is that the girl who plays Kima is known for, uh, being in a <laughs> television show called does it fart? <laughs> Do you think it's educational? It's it's supposedly it's edu- educational. It's oh like a God. science, like kind of like Bill Nye the Science Guy, but with teen with with young people <laughs> in the leads, like being detectives about science, being very curious about whether or not things fart. Uh, so I like it. <laughs> I like I liked how to you and me, these are just like two young random actresses, but like for all we know, they're actually famous for among children. They could be famous among children. At least this um, one, this one girl. I don't know. The yeah. other one who was in Orphan Black seems to have been in Orphan Black like very minimally. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that's this episode. Um, Short Treks, Children of Mars. What did you think? Did you watch it? Let me know. <laughs> Let us know. And who are those aliens? <laughs> did you hate that song as much as I did? All very important, thoughtful questions. <laughs> we are on uh, Twitter at Intertractional. I'm going to learn how to tweet. Tweet at me. We will answer you. And we will, uh, we will, see- God, I want to say we'll see you. We will, you will hear us very soon <laughs> um, when Star Trek Picard drops. Mm-hmm. Get excited. Star Trek Picard recaps. <laughs> All right. Live long and prosper. Peace and long life. That was great.
Intertractional is a production of Federation and Fempire, written and produced by Ryan Ascalisi and Becca Motola Barnes. Original music by Danny Kafka. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Intertractional. Tell us what you think. Join our Facebook group to discuss this episode with us and other fans. Email us at intertractional at gmail.com. You can even send us a voice memo. Visit our website at intertractional.com for show notes, images, and citations. Intertractional is available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes. If you like this podcast, help others find it by taking a moment to rate and review us and subscribe on iTunes. It really makes a big difference. Randomly, thanks to uh, my friends and my family and everyone for just being like really supportive of me doing this. I, I echo that sentiment. Thank you very, very much to my parents and to my brother for being supportive of this and supporting me in this time of my life. I really, really appreciate it. And to everybody else in my life who's been like, yeah, make a podcast. That's a thing to do with your time. Yeah. 